Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. So we are actually on our third week here of going over Romans 3. My ear is kind of deformed, so this thing keeps slipping off, but that's cool. Um, Third week, Romans 3. If you haven't been here, we're going to have a little review of what we've gone over so far. The first week, Jay hit Romans 3, 1 through 20. And basically, in a nutshell, it was, we are unrighteous. We are sinners, and God is perfectly righteous. Therefore, because of that, we can't be in God's presence, because we are unrighteous, and he's perfectly righteous. So we are utterly hopeless. We have no hope of making ourselves better to be right with God. It was pretty depressing. All right. The next week, we hit this but now. It's, it's this powerful distinction. It's, Paul's moving into something new. Like we just sang in Amazing Grace. You can kind of see it. It's what? We were blind, but now we see. Um, what's the other line from it, Melissa? You're a singer. It's a... Uh, oh, we were lost, but now are found. So it... It is this big contrast that Paul was explaining, like I said, for 64 verses, how desperate of a situation we are in as humanity that we are disconnected from God. But now, um, like we went over last week, the righteousness of God, to be right with God, is available through faith. Faith in what? In Jesus, which Jesus? Jesus, the Christ, for who? For everybody who believes. And we ended last week asking the question, do you believe that? Do you believe? Um, After church on Sunday, I talked to someone in the back, and they asked me something to the effect of, like, I believe, but now what do we do? Like, I I do believe this. I believe that Jesus Christ made a way for me to be right with God. So what do I do? How do I exist in this life? Um, Well, the answer, in a way, is easy and clear in the Bible. It says, now, once you know you're right, you love God and love your neighbor. So in that way, that's an easy answer. But the much more complex and deep question is, How do we do that? Not what do we do, but how do you actually love God and love your neighbor? Um, The how, well, we're going to spend all of eternity gladly and joyously figuring that out. And not that we don't know how, but there's so much depth to that that we can spend eternity figuring out how we can love God. God and worship God and how we can love each other and uplift one another. Um, But today, we're going to just focus on one aspect of that question. Um, It's of the how we live now with this knowledge and understanding of how God made us right with God. And we're just following along with Paul. So like I said last week, we're coming off a paragraph that people have said is the most important paragraph ever written in human history. That is what we talked about last week, and that was the main sentence, that the answer of how do we become right with God 
Well, it's through faith in Jesus Christ for everybody, every sinner. What, where is the next place Paul goes with this? If you write the most important paragraph ever written in human history, what, what would be your follow-up? You know, obviously it's not going to be, it's, it's like when you go on your honeymoon and then you come back to real life, there's just kind of like that expectation that you just set, like, oh, our marriage is going to be paradise forever. And then you come back into the grind of life. It's like, oh, now this is what it really is. So let's, let's get grounded and figure out, like, how we're going to do this thing. Um, so this is what Paul says in Romans 3, 27 and 28. He says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. If our justification, meaning if our rightness with God, the way we are right with God is achieved by Jesus Christ on the cross and then handed as a gift to us to be received by faith, then who can boast? Who can boast? Um, God does not pick people to go to heaven like we would pick a dodgeball team. He, he's not looking around, you know, going one by one, round after round, picking the strongest candidates to the weakest ones, to the ones that like, sorry, you're not going to play today. You know, that's not how it's going to happen. It's actually the opposite. God says, no one can play, but I'm giving you the gift of faith, and then I'm going to choose the weakest. I'm going to choose the weakest, and the strongest are the ones that aren't going to play. Um, so if God chooses only the weakest, then, then who can boast? Who can boast? Um, I'm really glad that I'm preaching this text today because, to be honest with you guys, I am the cockiest, most arrogant person in this room. I know that that sounds like, okay, no, I'm serious. I really feel in my heart that that's probably true. And so I'm so glad that I got to meditate on this this week because this is really good for my soul. And on top of that, I'm really glad we all get to hear this text because Christians are some of the most arrogant people I know. That's a fact. I, I know plenty of atheists that are pretty humble in a lot of ways. And then I know plenty of Christians that... It just blows my mind. And mainly, for me, I have this well-oiled, extremely pristine, arrogant radar that I can pick out arrogant people anywhere I go. Um, I can sniff them out literally from a mile away. Like, I, I think an arrogant person's coming down the road. Okay? And why? Because it takes one to know one. I can see people's sin in their arrogance really well because that's something that I struggle with. And... My hope is that today we can explore and examine God's word together and be convicted of our sin, repent, and then experience fresh new grace for all of us here. Okay? Amen? All right. So first, let's look at God's word. Whenever we read it, I think it's a good practice to ask the text some questions. So who in here reads the Bible and you just read? You know, you're just reading along. You don't get something because you're like, the Bible's really complicated, so you just keep moving forward, right? For me, if I was to do that, I would only get maybe the these and the A's. Everything else, I'm like, I don't know what they're saying, 
What is this even talking about? Um, so, but this is, this word, this text is inspired by God himself. The Holy Spirit inspired the New Testament writers to actually write what God wanted to reveal to us. So I think it'd be a great practice for all of us, whenever you read the Bible, ask the text questions. The text will not respond back to you. If it does, please talk to me. But ask the text questions. Pray about it. Seek out answers. What is it talking about? Um, So when I read this, the first question that I have, literally when I read it, I thought, well, what is boasting? What, what does that even mean? Where, where then is boasting? Like, okay, tell me what boasting means. So the basic Hebrew meaning of the word, uh, it's like called like mahalel or something, is to praise. All right, so when we say hallelujah, it's two Hebrew words. It's mahalel and Jehovah put together. So it means praise Jehovah, praise God. So when you're saying hallelujah, ha- hallelujah, this isn't Hawaii, uh, hallelujah, you know, we're saying praise God, okay? Um, it also conveys this idea of like loud, like chants, loud praises. So just exuberant, like as loud as you can. I've seen some of you guys. I've seen when you are in worship, like you, you are boasting of God. You are just so thankful and just fully in it with him. Um, So, like we said last week, God deserves all of our praise because we didn't do anything. And so, therefore, God deserves all of our boasting. So, boasting in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just an activity. The object of our boasting is what makes it good or bad. Who or what are you boasting about? Okay, Um, so the question is, who is Paul talking about here saying that boasting is excluded? It's not, we can't do it anymore. Well, he's talking about the Jews and the people who boast in themselves. The people who, who think of themselves as like earning something from God, who think of themselves as higher than other people. Um, This is who Paul is talking to. So, Boasting in ourselves is actually an outward expression of inward pride. So if you are prideful, it, it comes out as boasting. Um, we call this arrogance. We call it cockiness. I mean, y'all have a thousand words y'all can say for it. Um, but we praise ourselves even though the gospel reveals that we are completely unrighteous and utterly hopeless with, without God's intervention in our life. And yet we praise ourselves. It's, it's so backwards, right? We, we have nothing that we can praise ourselves about. We didn't do anything. And the, actually, the only thing we did do is separate ourselves from God in the first place. The only thing we did do is declare war on God by becoming enemies of God, by saying, we don't trust what you're doing. We're actually going to turn away from you. So God actually intervenes So God intervenes in the form of Jesus Christ to make things right. That's all we talked about last week. And Jesus took our punishment for violating God. And not only do we have a clean record that that God just wipes us clean of our iniquities and of our sin and our, our offenses that we've given to God, but like Jay said, 
when we place our faith in Jesus, God then extends us the privilege of being called sons and daughters. So we started off as enemies. God ended the war. And it's not like we just now have our own like, place where we're doing whatever. He, he accepts us into his own family and then treats us as his own son and daughter. Like we are beloved children of the high king. So we still praise ourselves. I still praise myself. Um, below the surface of boasting is pride, and pride is the root of virtually every other sin. This is why Paul hits it first right after this. He's getting at the heart of every possible sin we can do. So let's talk about it. So when you're angry, okay, how is that prideful? Well, it's because we want our way, and we didn't get our way. The truth is, we don't like how God is dealing with us, and we think we could do it better. The root of that anger is pride. You know, when we lust, how is that prideful? It's because we imagine that we are so sexy that this man or woman would want to give themselves to us to satisfy our desires apart from this committed, loving relationship where we're giving to them too. We, we want to use them and not love them. The, the pride is the root of that kind of lust. Um, even when we're talking about like greed, when we're greedy, it's because we think we deserve more than we have. God's provision in our life is not enough, and we need more, and we will take more by ignoring stewardship and stealing from God and others. This, this is, pride is at the root of everything. Um, in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, the godfather of Narnia, if you're familiar, he refers to pride as the great sin. It is the great sin. What led to the devil's downfall? Pride. He thought he was as beautiful as God, if not more beautiful, and so he stopped worshiping God and worshiped himself. It was his literal downfall. Um, C.S. Lewis says this, pride leads to every other vice. It is, complete, it is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Earlier in Romans, I think it's 1.30, Paul calls prideful and arrogant people God-haters. So when you see prideful and arrogant people, or when you realize you're a prideful and arrogant person, the, the name for that is a God-hater, because it's the opposite of who God is. Um, so in the Trinitarian God, the three persons are always giving themselves, loving each other, and then giving themselves to humanity, their highest creation. And we're created in that image to love God and love others and take nothing for ourselves. So when we are prideful, when we are arrogant, and we make it about us, we, it's the, ant, the complete anti-God state of mind. Um, and here's the difficult thing about pride. Pride is a sin that we are very much aware of. We all know when we see someone who's prideful, right? And we all dislike it in others, but we're all almost completely blind to it ourselves. Like, like I said, my radar is excellent. 
I, I've always said to people, they're like, well, who, what, what do you look for in like a Christian leader? What, what do you like about, you know, whoever? And if I really trust them, the first thing I'll say is that they're humble. It's so opposite of America and so opposite of the world. If I meet like an older man or woman who's humble, it's like, it's shocking. It's refreshing. It's amazing. Um, but I want to be like that, but I'm so blind to myself and how prideful and arrogant I really am because it's so hard to see in yourself. Um, so how do we see it in ourselves? Let's take C.S. Lewis's, since we're on him, spiritual pride test, okay? So follow along. Whenever we find that our religious life is making us feel that we are good, above all, can y'all see that? Okay, cool. Um, above all, that we are better than someone else, I think we may be sure that we are being acted on, not by God, but by the devil. The real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether or see yourself as a small, dirty object. It is better to forget about yourself altogether. So the real test here is when you see yourself, or if you're in the presence of God, you don't even, God is so amazing and glorious, you don't even realize you're there. You're just getting to experience God fresh and anew. Or if you're in the, in the presence of God himself, you see yourself as this small, and when it says dirty, it means that sinful, that you are so broken that you definitely don't deserve to be there, but that you actually get to experience because of what God's done. So this is how we know if we're prideful or not. Um, so... <clears throat> If you see yourself as pretty good, if you see yourself as someone who, you know, you know, I'm not as bad as blank. I'm not as bad as the person literally sitting next to me right now. I know some of their junk, and I'm better than that. If that's how you're feeling, you're being lied to by Satan. That, I mean, this is Satan's only thing he can do to us, is that he twists truth, and he lies to us. Um, and that lie is really that line itself that we're better, it's like we really, 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 really want to believe that. It's really hard not to want to believe it. And um, that's because deep down in us, deeply embedded in our fallen sinful hearts, um, is the pride that we want to take some credit for being the hero. We want to be known in some way of being the hero. Um, and even if we say, God is the main reason that I'm saved, God is the main reason that I'm standing here. Um, we still claim that we had just a small piece, just a small little thing to do with it, um, so that we can boast, so that we can prove ourselves to other people. So we're kind of like this guy, Stacy King. Who knows Stacy King? Nobody? Oh, two people? So you probably don't know him. Why? Uh, because of the only photo they could use of your rookie card is you shooting a free throw. Um, you're probably not that memorable, okay? But this guy, he actually got to play with Jordan when Jordan, Michael Jordan, I don't know if I have to even explain that. If I do, that's sad. If he got to play with Jordan when Jordan was at his peak, who knows the most points that Jordan ever scored in a game? 
close. It's 69 points, and he had a cool 18 rebounds that gets forgotten in that. And he had this monster game, right? I think it was against the Cavs, and it was in overtime. And in that same game, Stacy, the free throw guy king, scored one point, which means he had one point, and he at least missed one free throw. So he's shooting below 50% for the game on free throws, which is not good. And this is Stacy King, okay? So when asked to comment about this amazing, legendary game that Jordan had, this was Stacy King's response. I'll always remember this as the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And that's it. That's it. I mean, he did it. Him and Jordan, they scored 70 points, right? So it's funny. But what's crazy is this is actually how we view God. This is how we view God. We think God did most of the work for sure, but look what I did. Look what I'm doing. When we're shooting below 50%, one point in a game. Um, and we boast about it like we did something. Like we boast about our jobs. We boast about our intellect, about our skills, about our kid, uh, about our clothes, our money, our stories. I hardly ever tell a story where I'm not the hero. Like, that's a fact. If you listen to me tell stories, please call me out on it. Because I would, actually, I'm going to say 10 times out of 10, I'm the hero of my own story. And it's like, Jeremy, that story wasn't even about you. That was about, you know some girl that played Little League Baseball. And I'm like, I know, but, I, you know, I was there, and I saw it, and it kind of changed the game, and, you know, I do it. I do it all the time. Um, but we even, what's crazy is we even boast in our faith. Um, we look down at others who don't have as much faith as us. It, I've seen that happen. We like to proclaim our devotion to God. Like, this is, I've done, this, look at me and how devoted I am to God. Look at you know, God moved these mountains because I had a mustard seed of faith. You know, these are, it's, it's wrong. It's just, it's just flat out wrong. And let's break down why. What makes me different from unbelievers? Well, I believed that Jesus Christ is my only way of being right with God. And other people haven't. That's the only dis- difference. But the question is, why did I believe because of my faith, because I decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe this, I can't take the credit because in Romans 3.11, it clearly states, there is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. So that's me. I can't take any credit for actually having faith in God. So how utterly hopeless are we? Like, just how utterly hopeless are we? It's, it's kind of like this. At our church, we have some firemen, and, um, you know, they put their life literally on the line probably every day to serve us as a community. So at first, let's give it up for all the firemen and firewomen in the city, because they do a good job. Um, so so here's, here's the thing. You are in a burning building. You are trapped the carbon monoxide is intense, you're fluttering, you're about to, you're about to pass out, and um, all of a sudden you're out, you're done, life's over. 
you just, you wake up barely to hear someone just kick in the door, come in, scoop you up, throw you over the shoulder, and run out of the building with you, right? And you're coming to outside, and then there's just cameras, lights, uh, media all in your face, seeing you and your burnt hair and your smoky face <laughs> for the world to see. And they ask you, like, what happened? Will you say, all I can say is I'm so thankful that me and this fireman really made it through. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're going to have no words. You'll be like, I, I can't even believe what happened. I can't even thank them enough. I'm eternally grateful. I owe them my life. I was dead. I was dead. There was no escape. I could do nothing. Then someone else made a way for me. That's it. Um, so why do I have faith in Jesus Christ? Why do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Well, John quotes Jesus saying, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. A few verses later, he says again, no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Faith comes from the Father. No one can boast in themselves, even in your faith. You didn't choose to be saved. You didn't choose to say, God, I get it now, and now I'm going to be with you. God did. He put that in your heart and drew you to himself. So stop making your life, you know, stop making it like your own. Your life is not your own. Um, Jeremy, stop making it about you. That is what I need to be preached to all the time. If you guys see me, to be like, Jeremy, stop making it about you. It's not about you. My life, your life, every person's life is about God and what he's done, through, done for us through Jesus Christ. The end, period, okay? So since that's true, um, this is what I'll say. Well, this is what Jeremiah will say. Thus says the Lord. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you hear, thus says the Lord, whatever comes next you need to take really close note of. You need to pay careful attention that Jeremiah was speaking as literally the mouthpiece of the Lord for the whole nation of Israel. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So when I was asked, I believe, what do I do now, last week? Right now I say to you, delight in the Lord. Delight in the things that God delights in. God's delight is in those that understands and knows him. What do those two things mean? It, it basically is saying that he delights in people understanding who he is. He, he delights in people like actually looking into the, the magnitude and infiniteness of this God. And then he delights in people who once they see that, that they, the ones that experience intimacy with them. In the Bible, 
when it says to know someone or to know your wife, I think we all know what that means. It means to experience intimacy with them. And God wants and delights in when you see who he is and what he's done, that you actually come to him and that you, you get to worship him and experience closeness with him. Um, so there's no reason, there's no reason we should praise ourselves. Um, there's no reason for the church to come across as arrogant. Like, there is zero reason for us to do that. We have something that other people don't have. That's true. But we don't get to look down on other people because we have it. We are those people. And God gave us the thing that we have. So we get to share the same gift um, that was freely given to us in Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. The way that we function best is we receive and we give. We receive, we give. We don't receive and keep. We receive and give. Everything we receive, we're called to give back. You know, it's like, how many times do we hear that, oh, Christians, they're just so, they think they're so much better than everybody else. Like, I hear that a lot. And it's just so far from what the truth actually is. I believe when people say that, that that's what they've experienced. But it's so far from the truth. Actual Christians know that they are the chief sinners. They know and are learning more and more the depth of their own sin. So um, the truth is, to be a part of the Christian community, you know, we have to admit to ourselves that we are addicted to sin. The church is like an AA meeting. That's it. Everyone in here, if you're a Christian, you're addicted to sin. And you can't, you can't become addicted by yourself. You need intervention from God himself to free you from your addiction to sin. Okay? So that's why I actually started the service with, Hi, my name is Jeremy, and I'm a sinner. Because I think we should start every service with, like, this is the fact. This is my name. I am a sinner, and I deserve God's wrath. But because he's just mercy, uh, patient, loving, that he made a way for a sinner like me to be with him again. Um, that, and that's the good news. We are a bunch of utterly hopeless people. I keep saying that phrase. I'm going to keep saying it. We are a bunch of utterly hopeless people. Anything in this world that you put your hope in that isn't Jesus Christ is going to fail you. And it'll, it'll give you a little bit of excitement. It'll give you a little bit of like, like that kick that you're looking for. But ultimately, it will fail you. Um, we're lost and we're sinners who are desperate to be reminded that, that God is just, that he is righteous, and that he is steadfast in his love for us. Um, those aren't just words. I mean, being up here, we talk, and it just comes off as words. But those are actually true statements. It's a fact. And we know that because he's proven this, because God's just wrath against us for the sins that we did against him and his amazing mercy for us, two things that are true, actually collided on the cross of Jesus Christ in this glorious, amazing display of his righteousness and his love. He did both at once. He, he took his wrath that was so just, and thank God we have a just God. And then he took his mercy, and thank God we have a merciful God, and he collided them. Somehow they both worked together in the cross of Jesus Christ. And so we're not here to boast in glory, uh, glory in ourselves. Uh, 
We're not here to boast and glorify in our sin. You know, sometimes I hear this like humble brag where people are just telling how how sinful they are. It's like, this isn't something you should be boasting about. You're you're still boasting in yourself. You're boasting that like, I'm so free, I get to sin and do whatever I want. It's like, well, it's still about you. It's not about God. So we don't get to boast in glory in ourselves or sin. We are here sitting in a room for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to boast and glorify in our wonderful Savior, our loving Father, and our comforting Spirit, this Trinitarian God who is so amazing, and we get to give him all the praise and all the glory. Um, Pride is my number one issue. Pride is our church's number one issue. I've been at our church long enough. That's a fact. I am the chief of prideful people in this room, but we're all prideful people in this room. We all have this problem, and we're all addicted to it. And it's the number one issue in Jacksonville. It's the number one issue in the world. So please do not leave here today and, you know, go on with your same old, same old attitude of boasting and um, praising yourself. Like, I, I hear phrases that are always conjured up, you know, and we, we joke, we're sarcastic about things, but the weird thing is, is when you joke about it too much or you're sarcastic about it too much, it actually becomes a truth you believe. Like, we, we talk like, you know, like, we're this amazing thing, even though we know we're not, so we're just kind of joking about it, but then it actually becomes true. We actually think that. So, I hope everyone is like interrupted and thinking, what do I boast about in myself? What am I actually truly prideful about? Um, You know, we can't boast and we can't glorify ourselves because as they bring up um, communion, like this should be up here, our body, and this should be our blood. And we couldn't do anything to stop that from happening ourselves. Like, the body in, was broken of Jesus, and the blood was shed of Jesus, so our body didn't have to be broken, and our blood didn't have to be shed for eternity. Um, so this should have been our end. We should have died. But hallelujah, praise Jehovah praise God, that this is not our end anymore. This communion is actually our beginning. We have new life only because of Jesus Christ. And um, it's the beginning of this eternity with God Almighty, wondrous and amazing and glorious. So if your heart is thankful and you're humbled by God's offering of his son, Jesus Christ, for you so that you didn't have to die— and not only that you didn't have to die, but that you get to experience the intimacy of a father with the God of the universe, then please come eat, drink, and remember what Jesus has done for you. But if you're thinking through this, if you're struggling to understand what we're talking about, if you're not walking in the ways of the Lord, if you're not experiencing intimacy with the father because you keep turning away from him, God does not say, Go fix yourself. God is ready to embrace you. But we continue to sin and turn away from God in walking away from him. But he's arms wide open. He's ready to accept you to come home. So if you are not walking in the ways of the Lord, if you are in sin, you need to repent. And repent means you need to just turn back and give God the glory and boast in God. And he will accept you. He will accept you and embrace you. And, and share his infinite love 
with you. So in that, we actually all need to repent. It isn't just a few folks in here. Everyone in here, I'm positive, needs to repent because we all need to repent of our pride for thinking that we don't have to take God that seriously. That God's not, it's not that serious of a thing. It, you know, I have my life and here's God. Um, we actually all need to repent of our pride for thinking that we know more than everybody else, including God. Like, we look at other people and think, they don't get it like me. And we, none of us get it. We're all given it. And then we get to give it. Okay? And lastly, we need to all repent of our pride about making our lives about us. It's human nature, I get it, to make our lives about us. But that is not actually how God intended us to live. He did not create all of us in here to just have our individual lives siloed from everybody else and uplifting ourselves and trying to make everything for ourselves like above everyone else. Your life was not given to you by God to make it about you. It was given to you so that you could give it back to him. The only reason God breathed life in your nostrils and the reason that he wants you alive, the reason he gave you this gift of life is so that you can say, God, thank you. You receive it and then you actually give it back to God. And in that, in that harmony, that's when you're actually going to feel the most content, the most at peace, the most at rest. And that's what we were all created to do. Sin has blocked that. That's why Jesus came. So as the band comes up, as they're here, um, remember, you get to praise him. You get to praise God. You get to boast in him with loud shouts through worship because he's an amazing God. Um, I'd love for you guys to just quiet your hearts and be still before God and before the Lord. And when you're ready, when you've, when you've come up and taken communion, you can go back and you can lift your voices high and you can praise God and you can boast in the only one that deserves all the praise for all eternity and that's Jesus Christ. Amen.